Welcome back to a brand new episode. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Rebecca. Thank you. Did I interrupt you there? You did interrupt my introduction, but um, you did sing beautifully, so I will forgive. That's okay, because you've just turned 45? Nah, jokes. I just turned 28, Stephen. 28 years old, 28 years young, depending on your view in life. Old, that's what I would say. Welcome to In The Club. It's great to be back. It's my favourite time of the month. Stephen, that's what I was going to say. Well, I couldn't think of anything else. I just thought I'd steal your lines this week. No, all joking aside, being in the studio, recording the podcast, it's my favourite day of the week when we come in here and do that, Stephen. Yes, indeed. So what have we got in store today? Oh, first of all, it is your birthday. Well, it was my birthday two days ago, yes. Did you have a nice time? I had a lovely time, thank you. And I had an even better time coming into the office and seeing my desk decorated with space. So did you get spoiled on your birthday? I did. I got loads of... Lovely things, uh, lots of musical things. So I'm going to see the 1975 in January. My husband got me tickets for them. Excellent. We've never heard of your husband on this podcast before. What's oh, his name? His name is Ali. Hi, Ali. It is the Rebecca show this week. <laughs> did you get a cake? I did. I got a call on the Caterpillar birthday cake, oh. which I think is a classic. No. Really? I like the other one. Cuthbert. Cuthbert. Okay, so here's the thing, because as to have one, Clyde. Aldi have Cuthbert and then Asda have Colin. They could be related, although they remember all that big thing in the media between M&S and Aldi. I mean, Aldi's PR agency are just on fire. Like, they know how to handle something in the press very well. Big what, inspiration. What did they do? Well, they started putting um, some of their vehicles, like with billboards, um, outside M&S stores. And it was kind of call, uh, Cuthbert that was there. And I'm sure there, were, I'm sure there was a hashtag free Cuthbert or something like that. Very good. See how we managed to steer a conversation about your life into an actual marketing conversation? I know, I love this. Maybe I should just do this full time. We have a very exciting guest today, somebody who is probably very well known to some of our listeners out there, um, who is an expert in the schools and nursery space and has a really interesting background um, in how she got to being an expert in the schools and nursery space. So we have the one and only... Keris Keneally. Indeed we do. Keris has actually been a friend of Class for Kids for quite some time. We've spoke to her in the past, but we've never had her on the podcast. During lockdown, we had a Facebook group to help kids activity providers during that time. Uh, and Keris did a few lives into that Facebook group, kind of talking about her experience and how to think about getting into schools and nurses post-lockdown. And of course now, um, with sort of ongoing circumstances, economically, rising costs, all that type of thing, um, she's got a lot of good advice for kids activity clubs. So without further ado, here is Keris and Rebecca, enjoy. Welcome to the Class for Kids podcast, Keris. It's great to have you here. It's lovely to be here. Thanks so much for having me on. You are most welcome. So, listeners, we have the lovely Keris um, today with us on the Class for Kids podcast. So, why don't we kickstart this interview, Keris, with you telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so hi everyone. My name's Keris Keneally and I help children's activity providers to get into schools and nurseries so they can grow their business with confidence, earn additional income and have a bigger impact on children's lives. Okay, so that's quite like a broad remit there, isn't it? It's not just working with schools and nurseries, it's giving them confidence. It's all these sort of intrinsic skills that we need to be able to do the things that we want to do. Now, when I was having a little look on your website, Keris, obviously I'm kind of like a, what is it that Stephen calls me, investigative journalism when we're doing uh, any podcast or interview. Um, noticed that you've had quite an interesting career background so you've formerly yeah. been in the primary education space a dance school owner and a yeah. head, head coach at a business school so can you tell yeah. us a little bit about some of those roles as well as your schools and nurseries one 
Yeah, absolutely. It's that kind of really varied career and that background that's really um, evolved into what I do with helping children's activity providers now. Um, so I was a primary school teacher, which took me um, abroad as well as in the UK. And during that time, I had the opportunity to specialise in dance, which was something I'd always done as a hobby, but never done professionally. So being able to specialise in dance um, in a school in Thailand was the absolute dream. And so coming back to the UK, um, I wasn't perhaps able to do as much dance, maybe just one dance club a week. So at the end of those kind of five years of, of teaching primary, I realized that there, there was a little bit more out there for me. And maybe I could emulate that experience that I'd had in Thailand of specializing in dance. But maybe that would have to be a business in the UK, uh, working with lots of primary schools. And that, that's where my dance business then evolved from. Um, had so much success in my dance business quite early on that my business mentor at the time trained me up to become a coach for her business school. And that gave me the experience of coaching uh, hundreds of uh, business professionals online, one-to-one. -one, um, and really doing what I do now is just in encapsulating all of that experience and rolling it up into one package to help um, children's activity providers do what I did basically. Yeah it's that that kind of variation in career that you've talked about there Kara so you started in the education space so you know exactly what curriculum is happening in the schools space yeah. already but then you took that and you thought right well I've got this hobby and this passion for this kind of activity so do you know what I'm going to explore it and see what's in that space and I must admit coming back from Thailand to the UK must have been a bit of a culture shock it's very different <laughs> yeah. obviously um, but you know what you took that ambition that you had over there and you thought how can I adapt and replicate this model to suit the UK so I think that's a very inspiring story to go from primary teacher to now almost this mentor slash giving people confidence in a space where they might not know how to grow and flourish and evolve. Yeah, absolutely. And it, the, the key there is confidence. And I've always um, held that in very, very high regard in, in everything I've always done. So I was a particularly shy child myself. It was things like extracurricular dance, drama, music that gave me my confidence. And then also having a, a business mentor later in life was, was a huge confidence boost as well. So even just helping children to dance, it was always about being more confident, not being about being the best dancer in the room. Now helping children's activity providers to be more confident in their business, it's that ripple effect and it filters down to all of the children that they now work with as well. Mm. I think you know what you're touching on there you know you've, you've you've been an expert in the activity space and sort of education and maybe looking at what did you learn as a child and then taking that into to the school and businesses that you're running now um but I'm quite interested in the business sort of mentoring side of it I mean you must have been sort of yeah. being mentored and then your mentor saying well actually I think you've got the skills here so how did that feel like going kind of out I guess maybe a little bit of your comfort zone into a new space it was a huge, huge learning curve. I think it was about nine years ago now um, that I went through the, the business coach training, learning a lot about how to keep people accountable. But it was a huge thing for me to, to know that somebody had kind of seen something in me that I perhaps hadn't seen in myself all the way back then. Um, and it was very much, I mean, we, we kind of did all these kind of strengths finder tests. And it was really, really interesting to me to find out that um, I'm someone with a lot of empathy. And that's how I relate to people. It was really interesting to find out that I'm best when I help people maximize their strengths um, and develop people. So sort of developer, maximizer, em empathy. These were all the words that were coming out of this strengths test. And these were all the things that she'd already seen in me. Um, and these are all the things that I bring forward now into the coaching I do. 
Mm. That must have given you such a huge confidence boost and a really good um, foundation for what you're doing now, because although you're kind of still working in that activity space, actually what you are doing is mentoring people and, you know, your sort of branding tagline is giving people confidence. So all of that training must have been such a huge elevation for yourself and your business and your confidence. Yeah, it really, really was. And, you know, without it, I don't think I'd be doing what what I'm doing now. And I just love that I get to combine all of those passions into one thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so now you are working as an expert in the kids activity industry. And as I yeah. said, your tagline is growing confidence with schools and nurseries. So how long have you been running that side of the business for? Yeah, so I actually set up when I, I moved away here to Wales, knowing that I would have an online business and I'd be sort of in that transition period. So I set up a group for dance teachers, keeping in touch with dance teachers back then and asking them what they might want to learn from me should I set up this online business. And they all just kept saying, I, I want to I wanna learn how to get into schools. I want to know how you got your business into schools and nurseries. And at the time, it's really funny because I said, um, well, I can't, uh, I, I can't really, can't really do an online business out of that because I, I just emailed them. Why don't you try that? And they said, no, 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 there must be more to it. There must be more to it. Um, because I've tried emails in the past and it hasn't worked, you know, so I looked at what they were sending, looked at what I was sending and identified kind of five key things really that, that I, I felt I really needed to share now with this space. And so back in 2019, I set up a five day challenge and across those five days, I taught them the five things that I thought they should really know about the key ingredients of a high converting email letter or template. Um, And it's really just absolutely spiraled from there. So that five day challenge that started in 2019 has been running multiple times. Um, We're actually about to run our 13th (laughs) get into schools free challenge um, at the end of September as well. So it's been going on since then. I know it's funny that you're saying I can't, you were thinking at the time in 2019, I cannot make an online business out of this. How is this going to be sustainable? And where are be 2022 and you're running your 13th five-day challenge so you know clearly that was a a really niche gap in the market that you've just totally owned and you're now that kind of expert in the space so that must be a real I I guess like a a monumental change in the way that you think yourself like actually what more is there in this space that I can tap into that other people are maybe struggling with or is there untapped potential in certain bits of the market? Absolutely. I would say that constantly working in in this particular niche that I've carved out for myself, I'm constantly breaking down any limiting beliefs I had about kind of business and having a niche, you know, a, a very small micro niche that that no one else is in. Um, and and also, you know, the the sheer sheer volume of children's activity providers out there who do need this help. Absolutely. There's a huge market in the UK for this type of thing. And, you know, I wonder sometimes what is it that people find difficult about getting into schools and nurseries or what is the the real attraction to it? And I think it's that extra income source. It's the stability yeah. and reliability of that type of business, because, you know, we speak to many clubs and we've interviewed so many on the podcast now. Um, and what they all say is that, yes, our evening classes are great, but there's something more that we can be doing in, doing in the day other than admin. And that is schools and nurseries, yeah. because, as I say, it's that steady, reliable source of business and extra income. So it's more cash flow for them. Yeah, absolutely. And and these are the, the core reasons people generally come to me is they're either looking for daytime work, like you say, either without just doing admin or without getting another day job, mm-hmm. looking for an additional revenue stream, looking for something that's perhaps going to be a little bit more profitable from the outset in terms of not having to do all the ongoing consistent marketing to sort of fill whenever you've got a gap in the class midterm, you just feel like you're on that constant marketing hamster wheel, don't you? Mm-hmm. And, um, and all the hall hire and venue hire 
hire and things like that, very often working with schools and nurseries, we have little to no venue hire, um, depending on what we're delivering for them. And it's that consistent, regular, weekly income, because what a lot of people don't realize is when you go into a school and you do your job well, you can expect to be there for a very long time. Yeah, I can imagine that if you know, I mean, I'm thinking about a couple of people that we've interviewed, there was Josh and Jamie, I don't know if you've listened to their podcast, they talk about actually, we were a really young company and we thought, no, we have to break in and tap into this market. And then you had the likes of Lauren from Avenue Dance, who had a business, was really successful at it. And she thought, hold on a minute, there's a gap there with dance and fitting the curriculum to dance. So it's the way it's very, very savvy, these business owners. And I guess... For some activity clubs, maybe when they first start out, that is the goal is to get into schools and nurseries. But when you think about the businesses that are running in these types of venues, they're very savvy and think very much like a business owner. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's about having that that kind of that that whole complete business, really. It's like that holistic approach to, okay, what different systems and processes do I have? What different kind of arms of the business do I have? How can I reach different sectors of the community that I'm perhaps not reaching just mm-hmm. by posting on social media? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Like you said, social media marketing, that is a hamster wheel. So, you know, yeah. we are all very much aware that it is an essential part of business. But yes. when you can find something that's stable and secure and, you know, right, okay, that's definitely going to be a long term thing I know that I'm going to be in there for x amount of months x amount of years however long you're going to run for it then means it takes a little bit of that pressure off to constantly think how am I going to get new customers in and that's not a thought maybe that's every second of every day but it's right okay I've got this stable thing happening in the evenings I've now got into schools and nurseries where are the other opportunities is it expanding out with my local area could it be franchising my business so it gives them time to step back almost from the immediate pressure of I need to make a profit I need to be able to do x y and z and thinking right what's the big picture vision for my business here so I think what you're doing is remarkable in that space helping these business owners think about that so I guess you kind of want to summarize for listeners exactly what it is that you do so you've talked about giving people confidence how to approach schools and nurseries do you want to talk about some of the core offerings of your business Yeah, sure. Thank you. So um, I'm the very proud creator of the Approaching Schools Academy. It's the first and only step-by-step program teaching children's activity providers how to get into schools and nurseries using my methodology that's built on the last kind of 22 years of my professional career that we've just spoken about. And it is step-by-step right from your kind of your idea, your goals, your targets, how many schools and nurseries you're actually going to want to contact, the different ways that you could be contacting schools. We have templates, we have videos we have worksheets to help you apply the learning to your business specifically and it's a a kind of a six-month program where you also get direct group access to me um, for live coaching we have a mindset expert who is actually an approaching schools mindset expert she used to be a senior manager in a middle school herself um, so she gets it from that other kind of point of view of bringing providers in Um, so we literally give you everything that I know about getting into schools and nurseries and it's a bit of a hybrid program where you can work entirely at your own pace through the self-study course platform but then you get to check in with me for weekly Q&As and group coaching Um, and we've had fantastic results since that's been running one of my clients you were talking there about that more kind of reliable consistent income and it's something that children's activity providers really kind of want to think about in times of crisis as well one of my clients she's been with me a year now she said that working uh, over a year actually but she said working in schools really really saved her business post-pandemic 
pandemic, mm. but it's also grown her profit by a third. She was able to add an additional £21,000 to her business um, after a year of learning how to get into school. So um, we have some fantastic success stories, which I'm incredibly proud of those people. That's amazing. An extra third on her profit in her business within the space of a year. So, you know, when you think about for these other activity providers, that's just one example. But, you know, yeah. your your pricing might be different. The way that you're going to scale yeah. might be different. So there's lots of potential yeah. in that space. So what you're talking about there, Kerry, sort of within the, is it a Facebook group that you're running or is that through your website for the group? It's, it's both. So we have a, um, a course platform where they have their own login details of a private members area. We also have a Facebook group where people can check in and get camaraderie from other children's activity providers, get the support they need, ask questions um, and get that live support from me as well. So what, what I get the sense of what you've built there is not just um, a, a support group, but it's a community that you've built online. Yeah. And I think when you build something like that, the value that people get off the back of these things is hugely beneficial and it's almost a way that it's immeasurable you can't really put a number or a figure to it but like you're saying they have live access to you there's other people that they can ask questions to so it takes that feeling of how do I get into schools and nurseries I'm on my own here I don't really know what to do to I have somebody who's an expert in this space but there's also a wider community that I can ask questions to so I'm not relying solely on the thoughts in my own head it's a community that I can go to and you know we see that all the time with different kids activity club groups um we ran one ourselves during lockdown and you see the the power of communities really in these spaces and the help and support that they can give people um and I guess sort of how many people then are you working with uh so we actually get on our last five-day challenge we had 800 providers we're expecting a, a similar number on the next one and I'm working with about 90 children's activity providers at the moment directly who are going through through the steps themselves Okay, and are you seeing that number growing? Because what I'm curious, I guess, you know, across the board, how is what we're living through right now? And by that, I mean, rising costs across venue, electricity, gas charges, rising costs of food, transport, all those types of things. What is happening in that space? What are you seeing at the moment? Yeah, what I'm seeing is is a lot of worry at the moment as we sort of move into the, the new academic year. I know mm-hmm. that obviously in, in Scotland, the, the schools have already been back for a few weeks now. And, um, you know, we're just gearing up now, England and Wales, to um, um, be moving back into that space th- mm-hmm. for the new term. And at the moment, I'm seeing some worry among providers, but they haven't obviously seen the, the direct impact yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that will be seen if, if it's coming, it will be seen over the next sort of few weeks as we move through, because as we know, some, some parents are late to book onto activities and they want to get the children settled in school first. Some providers have their, their kind of busy moments towards the end of the month anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'm, what I think is also encouraging is that for a lot of providers, they recognize they've, they've been through these things before, you know, they, this, this cost of living crisis might be new, but um, they've been through a worldwide pandemic, which was completely unprecedented. And, and they're all still here. They all survived to tell the tale. So I think what's really encouraging is if, if the pandemic's taught us anything is that marketing is key. You know, when you, when you learn the, the systems and you learn how to market your business, however that might be, whether that's directly to the parents, whether it is to the schools or the nurseries, this is something that, 
when we stay consistent with this is something where we can we can keep going and we've we've got this basically um so i think that's that's really encouraging is that for a lot of people they recognize you know i've still got to carry on doing the things i do like it's it's not time to give up yet i've survived a world pandemic i can get through this as well yeah i think it's that sort of morning mantra isn't it like we've got this we can do it it's all going to be yeah. okay because you know you think about the past couple of years it does just feel like hurdle after hurdle after hurdle yeah. and you know how do you keep that motivation going you know you're talking about the kind of holistic approach that you were taught when you were sort of doing your mentoring actually motivation is a huge thing and I think what you're talking about there is the consistency and you know we know that marketing is a crucial thing and that will help us get through this but it's the other things that count a lot for it so strategizing what's the strategy here for my business how do I grow and I guess that's where your business comes in where it's like well there's more than just the classes that you're running now there's other opportunities out there so it's about motivating yourself to find those other opportunities yeah absolutely and like you say the community side of that is key you know whether people want to invest in a mentor whether they simply want to join a community of like-minded people it these are all things going to help boost you and keep you going during during the harder times definitely and would you say now then is actually a really good time to start looking at these other partnerships to grow their business through the likes of schools and nurseries I think so. I mean, social media landscape is ever changing, isn't it? We've always got to keep up with the, the latest algorithm. And, you know, those groups that you've been diligently posting in, you know, you were only reaching a, a small fragment of your local community. You'd be surprised to know that a lot of your community don't know you're there. And the thing about working with schools and nurseries is whether you want to work in those settings directly or whether you're simply looking for another means of marketing your existing community classes, that's what we can do because we're essentially going out into the community and operating a funnel into our business you know and not we hear about online funnels all the time but actually this is a real life funnel going out and showing showcasing to the children the parents the schools the nurseries exactly what you can do and bringing those children with you um, into your community classes you know the traditional old school methods of marketing do still work and this is how you're, you're going to sort of go out there I mean I've got some clients who very strategically as well as wanting to make sales from the schools and nurseries themselves, they very strategically operate and off make offerings to schools and nurseries that are close to where their classes operate. Maybe they have a dance school, maybe they have a community class, maybe they even have weekend classes, um, maybe they have parent and toddler classes, but they pick settings strategically that are nearby those venues so that actually there's that, that ripple effect in their business. Um, so that whether you're looking to work in the settings or not, this is an additional marketing avenue that is available to you. So I guess one thing I'm thinking, you know, of a listener maybe listening to this and thinking, and actually schools and nurseries sound like a really good idea but I've got a never-ending to-do list where does that fit in how how do you prioritize these types of things so I guess obviously if they have business goals but actually I'm thinking there's a revenue opportunity here there's a stability factor so there's all that type of thing you know how do you I guess maybe overcome that objection of it's another thing to add to my to-do list yeah, I think the thing about the way that, um, or certainly the way that I share these these sort of strategies with the children's activity providers is it's actually designed to save you time in the long run. So you you may think that you've got loads of things on your list, but when you really look at prioritizing them, do they all have to be there? Do they all have to be done by you? Are there some that are, are less of a priority than others? Are there some that are actually taking you longer to do because it's not the most efficient way of doing it? Um, one of the things that I think a lot of people have said has been a revelation learning from the Approaching Schools Academy is that they now have a direct focus and they don't have to spend hours faffing around on social media or trying and testing things that may or may not work. They've actually got 
you know, tried and tested methods that they can see other people using with effect in their business. And they could just sit down and be more focused. And they've they've come back to me and said, actually, this has saved me a lot of time in the, in the long run. You know, I've learned more efficient ways of emailing. Even though you've been teaching me to email schools, I'm now more efficient at emailing my parents as well, you know. Um, so there's, there's lots of different things here whereby when you, when you get the systems and processes right, it can have a huge knock-on effect in your business to allow you to take that step back. Or if you want to scale, to allow you to scale, to give you that extra revenue where you can reinvest money into developing the business. And maybe that's team that will help you with that to-do list. So it's it's about, again, it's about looking at the bigger picture rather than that initial to-do list in front of you, really. Yeah, I love that when you, you're doing one thing and you're focused on one thing, but actually it's not just that little bit of information or detail that's going to be affected by it actually has like a ripple effect across your business so you know what I'm hearing there is that it's kind of more of a long-term success and actually if you put the investment and energy into it now you'll see not only that area of your business improve but so many others yes yeah absolutely okay so let's think about the current sort of situation we're facing let's circle back to that um what's happening in the school space so are they increasing their charges for venues for example after school because I know that for some schools they'll ring fence some budget for daytime sessions but what about after school if you're looking to get into that setting how are prices been affected so I've not heard yet that prices have been affected yet. I mean, at the end of the day, schools and nurseries still have to keep their their electricity going, right? Yes, they are faced with with huge hikes in in very much the same way that that resident residents are being affected. Um, however, like you say, there are many different um, aspects to funding formulas within schools, and you will have certain budgets that are ring fenced; they are protected. So, one example of of these budgets for schools in England, in particular, is um, the primary PE premium. So anyone delivering dance, sports, yoga, physical activity or, of any kind in those schools, they have the PE premium. And that is a protected budget that can only be spent on things like supporting and involving the least active pupils in physical activity or adding variety to the extracurricular timetable or upskilling class teachers in their confidence, knowledge and skills. There's very, very set parameters as to how it can be spent. That can never be sucked up by utilities. It can never be sucked up by kind of even employing extra staff with any sort of staffing issues the school may currently be experiencing post-COVID. That has to be used um, for enriching the primary PE curriculum. And a big aspect of, of that is funding external providers to come in and facilitate that for the class teachers. So um, there are budgets like that we can tap into where we have no hall hire during the day. So we don't even have to worry about those venue costs. But equally, like you say, for after school, that can even be used for funding some after school clubs as well. Also in deprived areas, we have um, pupil premium. I know I can never remember the terminology, but you have it's something slightly different up in Scotland. It's got a P in it, definitely. Um, but um, we have the premium that's available for disadvantaged children who are eligible for this, who might also be eligible for free school meals, may also be eligible to have a, a place in a club funded for them. So th- there are all these different budgets that have to be spent on what 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 they've been set out for and can't then be spent on rising energy costs and are still for the good of the education with the children. So there's there's these areas that providers can tap into if they are worried that um, hall hire rates are going to be going up. At the moment, I've not yet heard of that happening. Yeah, because I think, you know, that is such helpful information, um, I think, for listeners and even for us to know. Um, but what, what I'm hearing there is that actually 
maybe some listeners might be tuning in and thinking, oh my goodness, the, the whole higher fees are going to be going up because of course energy is rising, all these other bits, but actually there are things that are set in place and in motion that actually protect the education yeah. of our children. And I think yeah. coming out of the COVID pandemic, it's more important now than ever for our children to still have access to these things. And I think, you know, therefore the government would be wise to continue to invest in that type of thing. And now seems like a great opportunity for activity providers to be looking into these opportunities. Yeah, it, it, it really is. I mean, you know, out of everything that, that has ever gone during a crisis, education has still been there. And that's, you know, that is one of the best ways you can future proof your business. I like that. Education has always been there and it'll future proof your business. What a quote to, to take away for this podcast and also a huge piece of motivation for listeners. A um, couple of other questions then before we start to think about wrapping the interview up. Keris, are people that you're speaking to concerned about their class numbers? Because there must be a lot of fear mongering within the media. So are they concerned? Are parents going to stop booking in because disposable income is that, is that a questionable thing at the moment? Yeah, there is. There is. You're right. There's a lot of fear in the news. I think children's activity providers perhaps need to pick and choose what they watch, or even just turn the news off at the moment because I don't think it's it's doing any of us any favors. And you know, equally with the parents, it's going to be stirring up perhaps even issues that aren't even there yet with with the parents, and maybe making them feel apprehensive about you know whether they should be choosing um, you know certain things. But what I've noticed in terms of research within a, a recession is that childcare is actually one. Of the last things to go, you know, parents really, really value the happiness of their children. It's the number one thing that they want for their children. And I think a lot of the time, when you see some of these kind of quite extreme stories in the media, these are um, unfortunately children from very disadvantaged backgrounds, anyway, who perhaps didn't have um, the ability to access your classes in the first place. Um, and the great unique thing, I suppose, about them going back and working with the schools is you get to reach those children too. You now have a platform to reach those disadvantaged children who perhaps never had the opportunity to come to your classes anyway. And now we're seeing in the media that this is only being exasperated even more that, you know, there are going to be some children and some families that are going to have to start making some quite difficult choices. Um, but I think there's, there's always that avenue is that if they can't come to us, we now have that opportunity to go to them. Yeah, and, and I think that's exactly what schools, that opportunity, if you're going into schools and there's budgeted sort of ring fence for that, um, that's the opportunity there to still care because, you yeah. know, kids activity providers have a lot of empathy and understanding yes. for children and they want to give them the best possible experience, yeah. you know, whether that's friendship, whether it's community, whether it's life skills. So you have to home in on the value that you provide as an activity provider and then look for the opportunities to reach these kids who, quite rightly, you've said some of them may not have access to these things because... Parents could be losing jobs, bills could be so high that they just don't know how to how to manage that. So therefore, if an activity club takes on the ownership and responsibility to start to look for these opportunities, they're still giving yeah. back to their communities. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 100%. Okay, Keris. Well, final question before we start to wrap up the podcast. For somebody looking to get into schools and nurseries, what would your top piece of advice be? Uh, my top piece of advice would be don't think about you and all of the, the amazing things that you can offer to a school. Think about what their problem might be at the moment. So what problem can you solve for a busy head teacher or a busy nursery manager that has got a percentage of children in their school or setting struggling with something? So think about what the amazing benefits are of the service you provide. What is the opposite of that? What do those children perhaps not have yet because you're not in there providing your activities? So if 
if you are providing a confidence boosting activity you can be willing to bet there are sensitive children in every school and nursery right now struggling with their self-esteem struggling with their self-belief um you know uh, schools are racking their brains for ways that they can find to make the children more confident this is a problem you solve and you know think about that for everything you do maybe you're a sports provider and maybe you want to look at kind of like the you know the the obesity crisis and you want to look at kind of lack of physical activity and children and how you're going to help bolster that and help schools um improve physical activity through kind of 60 minutes of exercise per day for example so just look at what you provide and look at okay what might a head teacher or nursery manager need my help with right now because they've got a certain percentage of children that are actually struggling with that and that's my biggest piece of advice because so many times people just want to really like sell themselves and unfortunately we've only got about eight seconds to grab someone's attention in an email or a letter if they don't know us like us or trust us yet why would they keep reading they don't necessarily know they need dance or yoga or sports or whatever it is but they know they've got a problem and if you can address that problem first in your communication with them that's what's going to grab their attention long enough that they see all your amazing work that you can offer them I think what you summed up there, Karis, thank you very much for that, is that marketing is all about sort of providing the outcome that somebody wants for for a head teacher. The outcome is they're wanting to create healthier lifestyles for children. And if a a kids activity provider can explain really simply how they're going to do that, then of course, it's going to be a no-gore for schools across the country. Perfect. Well, we'll pop all of those details, your website and that group into the podcast description. So if you're listening in and you want to find out that, just simply tap more information to access Karis's really helpful tools and resources. It's been great having you on the Class for Kids podcast. Thank you for all that you've shared with us today and hopefully we'll catch up soon. Thank you so much. It was great to catch up with Keris after all this time and I've certainly learned a lot more about her than I knew before the interview. I think for me what was really interesting is the breadth of Keris's career. So right now she's an expert in the schools and nursery space but actually hearing her story and looking through her website and finding out, you know, very early on she was in the primary education sector, she expatriated to Thailand, she was a dance school business owner. What I was really interested in is that she was a coach for a business school. She's got all this mentoring experience and now she's actually applied that to the industry she's working in. You've got to admire that. Somebody that has taken all these different facets of their career from throughout the years and kind of honed into one really helpful business model. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Stephen. Um, Keris's business is helping thousands of kids activity providers. I think she said on her last Facebook challenge, she had over 800 people sign up to that challenge. That just shows the number of people that are really interested in getting into this space of schools and nurseries because it elevates their business. So it's no longer just evening classes or one-off workshops. Actually, there's a whole business model there within schools and nurseries itself. Very interesting to hear her take on the current cost of living crisis as well and how she thinks that that might affect. I mean, she's quite positive about the thing. Yeah, she was very positive and actually highlighted some things that I hadn't been aware of myself, like the grants that were available. There's a lot of government funding available for PE, um, particularly in England. There's different things available in Scotland, Wales. Um, but, you know, there's budget set aside specifically to develop and keep on top of children's health. So the fact that that is there and has to be spent on that means that there is opportunity here for kids' activity providers. Yep, absolutely. Something worth looking into for all the activity providers out there. Um, one thing I quite liked about this podcast in particular was that we got to do it remotely. Yeah, it was our first remote podcast and shout out to Keris for having an amazing mic and making it all work smoothly. Yeah, I wasn't sure it was all going to work as smoothly as it did, but I mean, it's almost like she was in the room with us. So yes, I'm very happy with the production skills on that. Well, I'm glad that you're happy with the work that you've been paid to do, Stephen. Yes, indeed.
lots more podcasts to make though between now between 28 and 29 so we've got lots to look forward to Stephen another year in the hot seats of podcasting with you just so much to look forward to going into my 29th year we have got lots more really great guests coming up over the next few months so stay tuned um, and keep downloading whenever you download because we've got loads more to come yet lots of exciting stuff coming on this podcast so if you're liking the content that you're hearing you know that you can review our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or anywhere you're listening to this podcast we always love feedback so let us know what you're liking things that you might not want to hear Stephen uh, and any any content that you think's missing I'd like to be slipped that in there that wasn't uh, that wasn't kind but that's how we'll end this podcast on a note of unkindness one two three bye, bye.